With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 68 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Elliot Shore Parks, Matt Lombardo. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. We are now past all the craziness, for the most part, of the offseason with the free agency period with the NFL draft, and now it's more assimilating these guys into the mix. We'll talk about the first impressions that both Matt and Elliot had of these rookies uh, in their rookie minicamp, and then we'll look really big picture at what Howie Roseman did this offseason, trying to improve the Eagles, trying to move them forward from being a seven-win team last year, and what we think of them right now as we head into this little lull before OTAs and the big stuff in the summer. All right, Elliot, we'll start with you. Before we get to all the Howie stuff, Let's talk some first impressions here. I mean, you guys got a chance to actually watch some of these rookies uh, do their thing out there. Some skill position players is always fun to watch. What are your thoughts? One, watch them on the field, and two, just talking to them a little bit, getting a feel for this new group of Eagles. My biggest takeaway from Friday was, um, and we only got to see them for about 15 or 20 minutes, and they're doing individual drills. So, you know, obviously there's not a super ton you can take away that's concrete, but we still got to see them for the first time, you know, in the Eagles helmet, running around after reading about them for so long. So my my biggest takeaway was, and we talked about this on the last podcast, was my hesitation with Derek Barnett was I thought he was very similar to Brandon Graham in size and kind of in game as well. So I was, you know, thinking that's not really who you would want with the top 15 pick. And I still stand by that. But I would say that seeing Derek Barnett just out on the field, you know, in a helmet and all that, he looks bigger than Brandon Graham. And maybe bigger isn't really the right word, but he looks longer. Like he doesn't look as stout as Brandon Graham. Um, I saw him, he, they, they were doing some drills where they were backpedaling and kind of like moving around cones. And I think he looks like a better athlete than Brandon Graham. Now time will tell and we'll have to see, you know, I have to see him and Brandon Graham next to each other. But my biggest takeaway from what we saw on Friday was the comparisons to Brandon Graham, I think are fair to a certain degree, but he's not as similar in stature to Graham as I, as I thought before I got a chance to see him. Did you see any similarities to Terrell Suggs or are we going to put that one on hold for a while? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I haven't got a chance to see Terrell Suggs up close, but no, I, uh, I didn't see any uh, similarities to Suggs in the fifth, first 15 minutes of the rookie minicamp. Right, I guess we'll put the 100-plus uh, the career sacks on hold just for now for Derek Barnett. Matt, how about yours? I saw you had a piece on NJ.com uh, running on Monday talking about Matt Collins a little bit and his future here, which I know he's, he's a guy Eagles fans are intrigued about. So what are your thoughts? One, your piece on Mac, and then two, 
your impressions of these rookies. Yeah, Joe, I'll start with Mac Hollins. And first of all, when you look at him, he looks like he's the type of guy who's versatile enough because of his frame, because of his speed, because of his ability to track the ball deep, that you could play him either on the outside or in the slot. And like I wrote about on Monday morning, the Eagles, it's very conceivable that they made this selection with the thought of ultimately potentially replacing Jordan Matthews with Matt Collins because of their similar build, because of the fact that Jordan Matthews is entering his contract year, because there haven't been many substantive extension talks with Jordan Matthews, that maybe that's a, a natural fit for Hollins to ultimately slide into the slot, particularly if somebody like Shelton Gibson, who's a dynamite game-breaking speedster of a wide receiver, winds up playing on the outside. And and I'll just go as far as my first impressions, Joe. I'll kind of stick with those two players because I know that later in the podcast, we're going to talk about bigger picture evaluations of this offseason, our thoughts on what Howie Roseman did. And just watching Gibson and watching Hollins this week for the 15 minutes that Elliot, myself, and the other reporters were allowed to be out there watching practice, I really got the impression that the selection of Gibson and Hollins kind of follows what the Eagles have tried to do in terms of building up this offense for this year and the future to set Carson Wentz up to improve, to set him up to take some steps forward in his career. And it's almost as if they signed Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith in free agency on short-term deals to sort of give themselves some flexibility in terms of bringing those guys back or not bringing them back based on performance and on financial breakdowns, but drafting Hollins and Gibson, they're almost clones of the games of Jeffrey and Smith. So you almost have Carson Wentz set up with two very veteran established receivers with particular skill sets this year with the option of plugging in Hollins and Gibson with similar skill sets to Jeffrey and Smith for the future if this all works out according to plan. So that that's kind of my takeaway that the Eagles plan at wide receiver seems to have been in line both with what they did in free agency and the draft for 2017 and also looking ahead years and years down the line. Yeah, it's definitely layered. There's no doubt about that. They, you know, they they try to rebuild this receiving core in a layered way, where it's not just all for now, like you're saying. There's there's some, you know, they could they may, maybe get something out of these guys in the future, and they become um, top guys. They have all right. Let's let's move to Howie a little bit. Matt teased it. Elliot, let's start with it. Howie rose in the job that he did, and let's assume for right now that we're just going to take this on what the Eagles are today. Now, there's been some rumors of trades. We know they still have Jason Kelsey. We know Michael Kendricks is still there. I don't think it'd shock any of us or anyone listening if the Eagles made a move in the summer because that's what Howie does. But for right now, for what they are, do you think let's take the big picture approach first, then we'll go kind of step by step to what he did. Do you think he improved this football team enough for this season, Elliot? I mean, I know they kept talking big picture, but I think you and I, maybe when Mark was still doing the show with us, we kind of alluded to they're making a lot of moves that could help them right now, like one year deals. So it, clearly they want to try to win this year, even though they're trying to build it for the long term. Mm-hmm. Did they improve enough for 2017 to you? Well, you're we talking about 2017 and even really for the future. But, you know, I've said plenty of times, the top three needs on this team, cornerback help, uh, speed receiver, and running back. So let's look at what they did for 2017. Cornerback, they signed Patrick Robinson, who – you know, is probably somewhere between Nolan Carroll and Leotis McKelvin, but he's definitely not a clear upgrade over either of them. I would argue he's worse than Nolan Carroll. Um, they drafted Sidney Jones, w- which I like, but he's not going to play in 2017. So the two corners that Howie added for this season 
are Rasul Douglas, a guy that was a late third round pick and is going to have scheme adjustment problems coming from West Virginia to here, and Patrick Robinson. So I would say that was an extremely underwhelming uh, job he did there. Speed receiver. Shelton Gibson I like. He was a fifth-round pick, though. So I think you know to, to say that he's going to come in right away and contribute, I think is be extremely optimistic. And then there's Torrey Smith, who we can debate back and forth about his years in San Francisco, how he gave him 500000 guaranteed. So I think that speaks alone as to how optimistic they are about him. And running back, they've done absolutely nothing unless you're excited about Pumphrey, who weighs 176 pounds and was taken in the fourth round, or Corey Clement, who was undrafted. So I think if you just simply look for 2017 at those three needs, I think he did a pretty bad job on all of them. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is an upgrade. There's no denying that. Um, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see how big of a, uh, you know, what he does next year. But I, I think outside of that Alshon Jeffrey uh, signing, it's hard for me to look at any of the needs that this team had and to think how he really addressed them. Yeah, what's interesting about that, specifically when it comes to 2017, right? And, and Matt, that's the difference, right? If we're just looking big picture, you could say, all right, how we did this, how we did that. I know you've been on board with the City Jones pick and, and all these different things they've done. But for 2017, I, look, I look at them right now, Matt, and I think they're going to be an improved football team. But I have, to st- I have to kind of pause myself and think of why I think that. And a lot of it is because I just – I think Carson Wentz is going to take yeah, a big that, leap Yeah, that's what in I was going Yep. Yeah. Like it's I not think so much the off season. I don't think it's I don't I think they're improved team, but I don't think you can say it's because of what Howie's done. Unless well, Wolf do, drafted Howie. He did draft Carson. Well, guys, guys right. here's the thing. And, and and I know that we want to focus in on this year and look simply at twenty seventeen, but I think it's difficult for us to do that when the team itself I don't think is operating with an eye towards twenty seventeen. I, I really believe, based on what they've done this offseason, that it was all about trying to get Carson Wentz to take that step forward. And I know that the two of you are a little bit more optimistic about Wentz improving to the level he needs to improve to this year, but they could not go into this season by plugging in Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar and drafting somebody like Mac Hollins and drafting somebody like Sheldon Gibson and believe that Carson Wentz would be set up to take that step forward. I really believe that what they aimed to do this year was set Carson Wentz up to succeed and take all of the excuses off the table. Take all of the excuses about a tired arm from all of the workouts and the combine and mini camp and training camp and a 16 game season last year. Take that off the table. Give them a full off season. Tell them to put the football down and don't throw a pass for a month or two after the season. Go into this off season. Bring in the best wide receiver available in the open market in Alshon Jeffrey. Bring in a potential deep threat in Torrey Smith. You have another year with someone like Zach Ertz that you even brought in some depth along the offensive line with Chance Warmack. And I really think that if we're pinning our hopes on the Eagles taking a step forward, or the Eagles organization is pinning its hopes on the hope and the prayer that Carson Wentz improves and has a season that is better than the way his rookie season finished, then I think that that mission is accomplished by what they did in free agency. And in the draft, they brought in some players. Derek Barnett has the potential to play starter quality reps immediately. Denel Pumphrey probably going to be in the rotation. Hollins, Gibson probably going to contribute right away. But I don't think that they went into this offseason looking to improve dramatically from where they were a year ago. They were looking to set Wentz up to improve so that next year he's ready in year three of his career to make that run. But the only the, the counters I would make to that is, is one, I think the Eagles are being unrealistic 
and overly optimistic if they expect Hollins or Gibson to contribute right away. I like the Gibson pick. I think he could start, but I only think that's because Torrey Smith isn't a great signing. So so if you're talking about what the Eagles did to help Carson improve next season alone, I think you can really only point to the Alshon Jeffrey signing unless – I mean Howie has never in his time as a GM found somebody from the third round on that I would consider a steal. Unless you, want to, unless you want to count Riley Cooper. But if you're getting Riley Cooper with Matt Collins, I mean, it's not a terrible pick in the fourth round, but I don't think that's a pick people are going to be overly excited about. So if you look at what they've done to help Carson succeed, Alshon Jeffrey, without question, is, was going, to, is going to help him. He's going to be an upgrade over Nelson Aguilar, basically, and no matter what. Even if he doesn't live up to all the hype, he's going to be better than Nelson Aguilar. But if you talk about just next season, the running, the running back situation is – not any improved is not improved at all in my opinion. Well, we'll see and, about Wendell Smallwood, and I think that the, Wendell as Smallwood a team, was already on the roster. I agree, but I think as a team, they're higher on Wendell Smallwood than you or I are on Wendell Smallwood. Because that's fine, but that's, if, that's if they still think not that, a move they made, do you see what I'm saying though? Like if sure. you're talking about the jobs, the job that Howie did. I don't see what he did to help improve the running game. Unless your argument is they think Wendell Smallwood's the answer, and that's fine. That can be proven correct, but that's not doing anything. No, I think that I think that's my argument here that they believe that Wendell Smallwood can be and I don't think they're looking for any of these guys to be that workhorse 25 carry a game type of back. I think that they're looking for somebody that can take 10 or 15 carries, catch the ball 5 or 10 times and you involve Darren Sproles 5 or 10 touches in an offense and you have a backfield by committee because if that's not the case, then they would have moved up in round 2 to go and get Dalvin Cook or they would have stayed put and drafted Joe Mixon, but I don't think that they view the running back position the same way that fans or reporters view the running back position. See, I, I think that's a mistake because I, I've been going back and watching the games from last year, yep. and they they involved their running backs a ton in the offense. Like I know they, they, they first of all they ran at forty percent of their plays last year, so this idea that they're a pass happy offense isn't necessarily true. But also, even when on the plays where they threw the ball, they throw it to their running backs in the flat a ton. So they need a playmaking running back. And th- th- this, you know, we've debated this a ton, but I'm just saying that the idea that they, they can do it by committee, that's fine. But I don't see, I mean, Donnell Pumphrey is 176 pounds. And that's what he said. You know what I mean? Like he's a yep. tiny, he's a tiny guy. But to go back to, the, to what he did. So let's even say that they, they approach this offseason with the future in mind. And we're not going to look at 2017. We're going to look at, two, you know, beyond. What can what player did they add this offseason that you can say without question is going to be contributing to this team on the offensive side of the ball in 2018? The only one you can point to is Alshon Jeffrey because you have under, right. But I'm saying I, I don't think that is like a guarantee because he's still not under contract. I mean, right, who knows? You can franchise so, so right, you can he, keep he could him, and then not, they have the cap room to do and it. He could so say I, he's not going to sign it. I mean, I'm like. They, they just – I just don't think if you're, if you're looking in the long run, what did Howie do where you can point to it? I, I mean, all right, fine. I, I, don't, I don't agree with you on Alshon because I, I think that was a, it was a one-year deal. He's not under contract for 2018. I agree, but you go back to the franchise and you get him for that one more year. So I think at minimum, it, it's a two-year deal. Whether you can agree to a long-term deal or not, what, what, what's he going to do? Not, not sign the franchise tag and sit out for a year? Well, players have been uh, unhappy about the franchise tag before. And the franchise tag for receivers is not cheap. I, I, mean, I get I, it, but, but you look at their cap space next year. As of now, they're going to have close to $40 million in cap space. So if the franchise tag eats up $9 million of that, they can still— be way more than $9 million. 
right? Uh, oh, go go ahead. I'm going to look it up. Continue. So I'm I'm just saying that if you can get Alshon for that one year on the franchise tag, you have him here for two years. Obviously, you look at Matt Collins, you look at Sheldon Gibson. Those are guys that you brought in on the offensive side of the ball to contribute. But I, I'm with you that this is not something that they have gone through this offseason looking to add free agents who are going to be here in the long, long term. And you also have to look at why it was the way it was. They went into this offseason with the third least amount of cap space of any team in the NFL. Agents knew that in 2018 and 2019, they'd be able to be in a position where their client could maximize their deals with the Eagles. So I don't blame Torrey Smith or Alshon Jeffrey or any of these guys for signing short-term contracts because the Eagles are going to be in a position to pay these guys beginning after this year. And I also look at this at the defense. You trade for Tim Jernigan. You, You... draft Rasul Douglas, you draft Sidney Jones, an improved defense and specifically an improved passing defense is going to help Wentz because he's not going to be playing from behind and asked to throw the ball 35, 40, 45 times a game. All right, let's go on. Let's let's go on. Hold on, Joe. Let me me say one or two things. First, just for the listeners, the franchise tag for a receiver in 2017 was $16 million. So, if they have $40 million next offseason and the franchise tag stays the same for the receiver, you're talking about you know almost half or you know a little less than half. Well, it probably goes up, if anything. Probably right, goes probably goes up, if anything. As, but as say, the cap, yeah. Yeah. Right, okay, so I'm saying the last time I did the cap, I had the Eagles, if they get rid of guys like Peters and Kelsey and, uh, and Kendricks and all those guys, which they probably will, um, having, I think, like $37 million in cap space, right? So if you give Alshon Jeffrey $17 million of that, I mean, that's a, that's a fair amount of space. But if he earns it, that's money that you know, you'll gladly spend. But here, here's a couple things I'd say. One, the idea that they didn't have cap space isn't true. They gave Alshon Jeffrey a cap hit this season of $9.5 million. I would, I would bet that if you look at some of the larger deals that are handed out this offseason, the $9 million cap hit for 2017 is probably up there. A.J. Bouye, who signed with the Jags, his cap hit this year is $5.5 million, and he got a huge deal. So the and the Eagles, I counted it a few days ago. They handed out almost fifteen or sixteen million dollars in cap hits for this season. So the idea that they didn't have cap space, I don't think, is completely true. How he was able to get done what he basically wanted to get done, he decided to invest the money in Alshon Jeffrey inside of instead of AJ Bouye, and that could end up to, end up being the correct decision. But I'm saying he could have signed. He probably he actually looking at the cap hits could have signed AJ Bouye and Alshon Jeffrey if he wanted. Because the cap hit for this year is only five and a half million. But the second thing I was going to say is, so before we move on to a different topic, I would just be curious, Matt. So if you talk about moves, that, if we take Alshon out of the equation, because I, I agree with you on the Alshon deal. We both agree that was a good signing. It helps him this year. And if they're able to re-sign him or franchise him, he's a contributing member in 2018. But I don't see what moves he made outside of Alshon that are slam dunks to help this team next season or going future because Sidney Jones is not a slam dunk. As much as I like the pick, I don't think you can count on him to be an actual contributing player until 2019 because next year in 2018, he'll be coming back from this injury and it'll be his rookie year. And even then, who knows? Again, I like the pick, but I don't think you can call Sidney Jones a slam dunk. So I'm curious, and Joe, I'll actually ask you too. Um, like, what What moves do you see that Howie made that are slam dunks considering all the needs? I'm not saying he had to fill all the needs, but what need of cornerback, speed receiver, and running back has he has he found one slam dunk answer to this offseason? Well, there's I none. There's none. The answer is zero. 
Zero yeah. slam dunks. I also think the, the notion of a slam dunk is a little bit of a misnomer because you only get so many draft picks. You only can follow the board the way that it, it, it breaks in front of you. And, and you look at the rest of the offseason, right? You look at Tim Jernigan, probably going to be a better fit than Benny Logan, at least for this year along your defensive line. You bring in Rasul Douglas, and then you want to talk about a speed receiver, bringing in Torrey Smith at less than a million dollars in guaranteed money. Right, you know, but he has a $5 million cap hit. And he was pretty bad in San Francisco. But he had no back and he was playing in a system that doesn't stretch the ball down the field. So I think that that's a a low risk, high reward type of a deal for Torrey Smith. And then you bring in Sheldon Gibson, who is a dynamite sub 4-3-40, 40-time wide receiver, that you can bring him in here and he can be someone that takes meaningful snaps right away, but also part of your future offense. And I, again, you can't plug all of your holes in one year. And I think plug that, any of them is my point. Like like well, Sheldon Gibson, you say you say Sheldon Gibson, and I I like the pick. But if we if we if me you and Joe would have done this podcast after the last game of the season, right? And we we said, all right, let's talk about their needs. Running back, you know, like like where if you would have told me their best answer at running back was going to be Donnell Pumphrey, then I would have said that's you know I'm not blown away by that. If you would have told me their best one was going to be a fifth round pick in Sheldon Gibson at, at, to stretch the field, I. I think I wouldn't be blown away by that either. And then at cornerback, I like Sidney Jones, but again, he's not playing this season and he's coming off of a bad injury. So Rasul Douglas is your guy. And that's so they did like as much as we've talked about cornerback in this draft, and you Matt said it a ton before about how a good cornerback can help Carson Wentz because he's gonna get the yep. ball more and it's gonna help the defense. The best cornerback they added to this roster didn't come until the third round of the draft. They didn't sign anybody in free agency. Because Patrick Robinson, I think we all agree, is just a journeyman. And so Howie's biggest need that we all agreed last season hurt this team the most was was corner was receiver and cornerback. They got Alshon Jeffrey, but he's not a, a deep threat. But I agree that was a good move. So like I don't, don't see what Howie did that you can say, all right, that was a really impressive move. Outside. All right, let me, well, let let me, me ask you this. Th- so what would you, what would you have done differently? Because I obviously – your outlook is improve this team to the point where it can make a run in 2017, which is, and I'm not saying that it's, it's a false premise on your part. I just think it's unrealistic to look at this team and think that there were moves to be made to lift them into playoff contention this year. I think that's a good question, right. Matt. Let, let's wait on that. Cause I want to, I don't want to lose this because you guys are both hitting on something I think is interesting here. And then we'll get to the way he could have done. Cause that could be a whole separate debate we get into. All right. As far as the, and Elliot, I think you bring up a good, really good point. And I think the answer to this is, if you want to give an answer on Howie's behalf, it's last year, right? Like, it's, it's Jalen Mills. It's Carson Wentz. It, it's that we're, you know, we're looking at what he did to improve the team in this offseason. But a lot of these improvements, and this is every team, right? It has to come from the guys that are already there more than it has to come from the guys they brought in. So as far as corner, I think if you want to make a case for it, it's Jalen Mills is ready to play and play well. That would change it, right? Because Jalen Mills and Rasul Douglas – might be better than Leotis McKelvin and Nolan Carroll. They might be worse, but they, they might be better. Um, and then at running back, I want to throw this at both of you. And I, I just feel like we, and I was with you guys, and I remember having conversations, Elliot, at the end of the season about the running back position. Are, they, are we reading this puzzle wrong? Like, maybe they don't think they need running backs. Maybe they're going to throw the ball 65% of the time this year. Like, think about it. They, all they did is sign, receive, they signed two receivers. They beefed up the offensive line. They didn't cut Peters when he wa- they wanted to take a pay cut, which most teams maybe wouldn't have done. They draft two wide receivers, and the only thing they've done to running back is Donnell Pumphrey. Like, doesn't that scream to you that they're just going to throw the football a lot? 
Okay, I have one quick point, and then I'll let Matt go because I'm sure he has a lot to say on this. But the running back thing, it's been reported by Jeff McClain, and I've heard the same sense, that they thought they were going to get Dalvin Cook in the right. second round. Okay, so if they take Dalvin Cook at 43, I don't think we're sitting here and saying, you know, maybe they're not going to run the ball. Maybe they don't want a running back by committee. You know, all those things. Like No doubt, no doubt. Right, so I think – I don't think we can say to your question, Joe, that they don't value the running back position. I think Howie just misplayed it a bunch. I mean, Howie said this was a potentially historic running back at draft at the at the at the running back position. He said that at the combine, right? There, the the running back they drafted from this class was Donnell Pumphrey. So I don't see a guy that and Matt wrote this on on um, NJ.com a few days ago. A guy some people are saying might have to play slot receiver. So I don't think they. I don't think they don't value the running back position. I think Howie just misplayed his hands with getting Dalvin Cook, and then it just all fell apart from there. Matt, what do you, th- I, I, what do you think, one, about what they did, and then two, what Elliot said? Sure. No, I, I agree to a certain extent that if Dalvin Cook is on the board at 43, there's probably a pretty good chance that Dalvin Cook would be the selection. So I, I agree in that regard. I, I also look at it that once you look at the guys that went off the board, when you look at McCaffrey being gone, you look at Fournette being gone, you look at Cook being gone, I think that they just kind of threw their hands up and said, well, we have Wendell Smallwood. We have one more year remaining with Darren Sproles. We have this kid in Pumphrey who can do a lot of the similar things to what Sproles is able to do. Let's snatch him up and see how this thing all forms. And you look ahead to next year's draft class, and I know it's a fool's errand to depend on next year's draft class in any year at any position. But you have potentially a deeper running back class with backs that have less mileage on their tires next year. So it's not as if they're never going to get a running back. And Joe, to your point, I think there is something there because I can scream about it. Elliot can scream about it. Fans can tweet about it nonstop about how the Eagles need a a 30 carry a game workhorse between the tackle runner. And I just don't get the sense that that's what they value, that in the hierarchy of their values, wide receiver, tight end, running back. I don't think that that workhorse running back is all that high on the priority list or they would have made it happen. And I think that the way that Doug Peterson uses his backs, they use them by catching passes out of the backfield, as Elliot pointed out, catching passes in the flat, lining them up in motion in the slot receiver position and catching passes that way. And I don't think that they value that 30 carry a game bruising back the way that a lot of people think that they should. I I don't completely disagree with that. I'm just saying. That in my opinion, and what, you know, this is again my opinion that this is not maybe this isn't what the Eagles think. I just think that's a wrong way to go about it because the running back's a huge part of this offense, and so to kind of piece it together with all these guys, like maybe Wendell Smallwood improves, or maybe he's a player he was last year. Darren Sproles, you know, hasn't lost a step yet, but he's not an every down running back. Donnell Pumphrey is a smaller version of Darren Sproles, so I just I don't see uh, like. I don't see what they did to improve that position, honestly. And, I mean, it was a major need going into the offseason was the running back position. And I also think the idea that – you're right. The 2018 draft class does look good at running back. But we also thought this draft class looked really good at running back. And they only drafted one with eight picks, and it was in the, it was in the, the fourth round. So the idea that maybe, maybe they'll take – you know, a running back next year. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But, you know, I don't think you can look at that as a definite plan because they've shown, and I think it's a wrong idea, but I think they've, they've shown that they don't value that position. So what, would, what should they have done differently or could have done differently? Because I think that's 
that's the next part of this, right? Like it's done now. They, they've made these moves, and you know this is they have to lie in their bed now. Do we all? Th- Before we get into this question, do we all think they're improved from where they were a year ago? And I do. It's mostly because uh, the you know by osmosis, like Wentz and J- guys like Jalen Mills. I think they're a better team. They uh, should have Lane Johnson for a full year, assuming he's not a a knucklehead again in the offseason and gets himself in trouble. I think they will be a better team. And I think their offense and defensive lines are deeper and better. And I, I think they're better. Uh, I don't think they're a playoff team, but then they're not that far away. Maybe nine and seven is where I look at them right now. Do you guys think they're better or do you think they're the same? I think they're marginally better, Joe. I, I picked them at eight and eight. They were a seven and nine team last year. I think they did enough in this offseason. And, and I do think that Carson Wentz, with the added help at wide receiver and with Lane Johnson being healthy and beefing up the defensive line, which appeared to be a pretty you know high priority of theirs, making the Jernigan trade and then taking Derek Barnett in round one, that should be good enough to make you an eight and eight, nine and seven football team. But I don't think they're that much better than that. And I don't think that there's a whole lot. And Elliot, maybe you can enlighten me on what they, you think they should have done differently. But I don't think that there's a whole lot they could have done to make this team much better than eight and eight or nine and seven based on the rest of the division, based on the schedule and based on the fact that as much as everybody wants to be optimistic about Carson Wentz, in a lot of ways, based on that second half of the season, he's a little bit of an unknown going into this year based on what you're going to get and just how much he's going to improve in his second year. Well, I, I think Carson Wentz actually played his best football of the season the, past, the last three games. And I know the Giants, the uh, Cowboys game wasn't really much, but you know, beating the Giants at home on Thursday night and leading them back against the Ravens for almost a win there, I thought he played you know, pretty well at the end of the season. But I agree, you know, we're, all, we're all assuming he's going to take a big step, but we don't know that to be, to be certain. Um, I would say, look, I, I think they're a nine and seven team, so I do think they're improved. Again, I think that's mostly because of Carson Wentz. But you know what they could have done is they could have they could have signed AJ Bouye. They could have signed a big name cornerback. The idea that they couldn't is in, is incorrect. They had the ability to do it. So how he decided not to do that, probably because, and this is just me guessing, he thought the cornerback draft class was really deep. And you know he was correct. I mean, it was viewed as deep. We'll see if all these players pan out. How he only got he got Sidney Jones. That was the gamble he took, um, and you know he got Rasul Douglas. So we'll see. Who's if arguably a top ten, top fifteen talent yeah, no, went healthy. So it, is it a gamble? Is it a risk? Sure, but we're sitting here saying they didn't do anything at corner. But if Sidney Jones gets healthy, and again, it, it is a risk. A torn Achilles for a cornerback uh-huh. is a risk. But if he approaches the kind of talent that he was pre-injury, pairing him and Douglas long term is a cheaper, higher ceiling gamble than bringing in another high-priced cornerback, would it not be? I would argue signing A.J. Bouye is a much safer move than drafting Sidney Jones because of the Achilles. It's, and, it's, and because it's, we know he can play well in the NFL, we assume Sidney Jones can. I mean, I right, like exactly, him, but right. again, he's a prospect. Now, now, if you told me, would you rather sign A.J. Bouye or take Sidney Jones? Let's say, he, let's say he never tore the Achilles. Would you rather take him at 14 or sign A.J. Bouye? Then I think you, know, you can make an argument because of costs and all those things that Sidney Jones will be the better selection. But A.J., I mean, they, A.J. Bouye, they, if we're sitting here right now, we're talking about this podcast, and they signed Alshon Jeffrey and A.J. Bouye, and then they draft Dalvin Cook at 14, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a better offseason, don't you? I, I think that Dalvin Cook went in the second round for a reason. So taking him at 14 would have been a little bit of a reach, but but if they would have came away with Bouye and 
a running back, say, whether they move up to get McCaffrey or they stay put and they draft either Barnett or Jonathan Allen or they take O.J. Howard, yeah, I'd say that that's a better offseason. But I, I look at the draft and, Elliot, you and I view the draft – pretty differently in terms of how we evaluate what they were able to do. But if you're able to get Bouye and you come away with a, one of the top tier running backs or a top tier offensive playmaker, then yeah, maybe it's a better off season. But I think that assuming health for Sidney Jones, if you can get a top 10 talent in round two and you pair him with Rasul Douglas, I think that they've set the foundation for this to be a Bobby Taylor, Troy Vincent, or a Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown combination for up to a decade. See, I, and I look like, I mean, if these, if these players pan out, then yeah, but, but I think it's easy to say like, well, they drafted two cornerbacks, so it could be those two guys, but like coming out, Two years ago, Nelson Aguilar was viewed as an extremely safe pick. Like, you just never know what who these guys are going to be. So for me to sit here and say this team is improved and how he did a lot through the draft, I mean, yeah, it's it could be. But I, I don't see in 2017 where they're getting these big contributions besides maybe Derek Barnett. And then even going forward, I just think that with all the holes on this roster, I don't – again, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I just don't see the sure things. I agree that there's upside in some of the moves he made, but you know, I just don't, I don't see like with all the resources how he had. He had a top 15 pick. He had eight picks overall in, in the seven rounds. He had cap space to do stuff, and I just don't see the sure things outside of Alshon, and you know, we could – debate for an hour about Alshon because of you know the injuries and the PD and all that but I still think I would call him a short thing to a certain degree so I just don't see the impressive moves I guess that how he made that that you see well I mean I guess that that's going to take time to see if they turn out to be impressive like I don't think most of these moves are impressive I you know I think some of them are going to work out like I love like the Barnett pick, I don't know if that's, you know, no one thinks the Barnett pick's impressive. Like, he's just a defensive end who's a pretty good one. Um, but looking forward here, let's wrap with this because it's, it's been an interesting debate back and forth. When you look at the Eagles from when the season ended to now, each of you give me an area you think they're better in and then give me an area you think they're worse in. Because I'm trying to go through the, the depth chart in my mind as I hear you guys argue, and I can't pick out many places I think they're worse in. Right? right, And that doesn't mean he had a good offseason. They, they could be status quo, or I just could be misreading it. But I don't think they're worse in a lot of areas. I think they're better on the lines. Uh, Elliot, yep. give, me, give me one they're better in. Give me one you think they're yeah. worse in. Well, I agree with you. I think they're better at a, a marginally better at a lot of positions. And I also say it would be hard to get worse because they didn't really <laughs> – That's true. I mean, like they didn't really have a ton of you know big – it's not like they won seven games last year and they lost a lot of free agents that helped them do that. So it would have been hard to be worse. But I would say the area they probably improved the most at, hmm, I guess I'd say receiver just because of Alshon. I mean, they're better on defensive line, but the defensive line was already pretty good. So, you know, they kind of just they improved there, but it was already a strength. Um, I guess I'd say receiver. And, uh, you know, cornerback, I, I think you – I mean – but you can make just, a case they're worse. You can, yeah, you can I say mean, that. if you want to play devil's advocate, I mean, I think you can make the case they're worse because I'll take Nolan Carroll. You tell me who you think is definitely going to be better than Nolan Carroll next year. And Nolan Carroll wasn't good last year, but I'm saying Patrick Robinson, I don't think you can say he's definitely better. I like Jalen Mills probably more than anybody, but I, you know, I don't think you can definitely say he's going to be better. Um, Rasul Douglas, I don't think you can say he's definitely going to be better. So I don't think the cornerback position is – you know, I, I think that's one area where you could look and say they could end up being worse. 
Matt, how about you? Uh, an area they're better, an area they're worse. I, I don't know that there's a, a an area on the roster where they're worse, but I'll say status quo is corner. I think that they are going to walk into next year with Jalen Mills as a starter on the outside, probably with Patrick Robinson as one of your slots, or possibly Rasul Douglas fighting for a starting job immediately. I think your status quo at corner, and I think that they're significantly better along the defensive line because you bring in Tim Jernigan, who's more than likely a better scheme fit than Benny Logan was. He's better as a pass rusher. You look at subbing in Derek Barnett for Connor Barwin in terms of reps along the defensive end position, and you look at this defensive line, guys, this is an Eagles defense that only generated 35 sacks last year. 16 of them came from the defensive end spot. Vinnie Curry was a pretty massive disappointment, and even though Bo Allen got hurt, you essentially drafted the same player in a Elijah Qualls in round six. So I think the defensive line, arguably the most important position in Jim Schwartz's defense and arguably the second most important position in this entire team behind cornerback, I think you're better by adding Jernigan, by adding Qualls and adding Barnett. And that's going to have a trickle down effect on the rest of your defense, because if your pass rush gets home and you can increase your sack number, you can increase the number of hurries, you can increase the pressure up the middle in addition to the pressure from the two end spots, that's going to make life a whole lot easier for your corners. So I think the defensive line being improved, cornerback being about status quo, I think that could have the opportunity to take this defense from being a top 15 or so defense, maybe up to being in that top 10 range, which is going to help your team in general. But but don't you think, and then I know we got to wrap up soon, but don't you think that the fact that you're saying cornerback is status quo is a major, like, problem for Howie that we went into the offseason saying it was the biggest need and now here we are with the offseason basically over and we're saying they stayed status quo I agree with you the defensive line is improved because he, he put so much of his resources into it but don't you think the fact that they're that you yourself just said it's status quo cornerback is a, well, a, for, a, for this year and that's before we even factor in Sidney Jones and I think that Sidney Jones is going to factor in pretty significantly both in how we view this draft and how that position winds up shaping up. If he's never healthy or if he's a shell of his former self, then absolutely this was a failure. But if he next year steps on the field or in November or December steps on the field and he's 98% or 95% of the same player he was at Washington, you're getting a pretty good football player. You're getting arguably the top cornerback in this entire class, and that's going to elevate that position in 2018, which I think has been the Eagles vision for this entire offseason. Yeah, I, I just I think, yeah, I mean, I it's look, if you take every, if you look at it in best case scenario, yeah, but I just think if you look at him a little more realistically, I mean, to say that, you know, they got the best cornerback in the draft, I think it is if he's healthy, he could be, but he's not healthy. That's why he fell to 43. Right, but I'm just saying in terms of evaluating the position, I think that they're looking at tw- – by taking Sidney Jones, they're obviously building for 2018 or 2019. They're not – they didn't invest that pick in building to make this a playoff team in 2017 is, is I guess the point I'm trying to make. And right. if you can bring Douglas to play now, get his feet wet opposite of Jalen Mills or in the slot, and then you plug in Sidney Jones whenever he's healthy, then I think that if we're talking about – at the end of next year, which position improved the most from the 
end of 2016 to the end of 2018, if you plug Sidney Jones into that equation and he's the same player, then I think we can make a case that that position improved the most. But just right here today, I think it's about status quo with the chance to perform better because of the improvement along the defensive line. It's funny. You know, we, we had this whole offseason. We debated all these different things. And it feels like one decision and one move is kind of the point how everyone feels, right? It's the second round pick. It's Sidney Jones and not trading up for Dalvin Cook. Like, I'm listening to this whole thing. I've heard it from fans for the past three weeks. Like, if they take Dalvin, if they trade up for Dalvin Cook, there's probably a lot of people that are excited, some that are not. If they draft a different corner that, you know, is actually healthy, it's probably a different perception. Like, the fact that they didn't trade up for Cook and Jones was sitting there to take that risk on, I feel like it's, it shapes whatever you feel about this draft. Do you agree with that, Elliot? That was kind of like the, the pivot point of yeah, the, the bow on the offseason? It sends it sends kind of it makes it a little more confusing as to what they are building for because the Alshon Jeffrey move is a win now move. Derek Barnett's a very safe pick. I think that's a you know I don't think he has super superstar potential, but I think that's in some ways a win now move. It, it helps your uh, defensive line right away. And then the Jones pick at the biggest position of need, you know, is is a win is a uh, you know a building for the future move. So I think that. You know, you can make arguments for all the moves Howie made for better or worse, but I think when you look at were they trying to win now or were they trying to build for the future, I don't see it a slam dunk either way, and that kind of shakes things up and it, it makes it harder really to really like what he did this offseason because it doesn't seem like there's a clear plan in place. And even if you pick one way or the other, you can poke holes in the moves they made. Oh, first yeah, first of all, I, I agree, Joe. It's a complete linchpin, the Sidney Jones pick and how this draft is viewed by fans because I hear all the time, whether it's from my father who's a season ticket holder or friends who are season ticket holders, just general fans on the street, I hear all the time, well, wh- what's the deal with the Sidney Jones pick? What's the deal with the second round selection? So how this draft and how this offseason is going to be viewed, I think absolutely comes down to Sidney Jones and his recovery. But guys, I think it's almost, and I don't mean this, Elliot, as a criticism, I think it's almost too simplistic to say, is it a win now move or a win for the future move? Is it a build for now or build for the future? Because just from my viewing of this, what they did with Alshon Jeffrey and what they did for Torrey Smith, I go back to what I said earlier, I think this all comes down to setting Carson Wentz up so that he can improve this year. They can evaluate Carson Wentz with legitimate NFL receivers, with a legitimate offense, and get him to a point where he's not throwing the ball to Nelson Aguilar and to Josh Huff and to Jordan Matthews and to Doriel Green Beckham, but he's proving he's throwing the ball to proven NFL receivers, which hopefully improves his mechanics hopefully it builds on his confidence so next year whether you bring jeffrey back or not you have hollins and you have gibson waiting in the wings to step up or you go out and you sign another receiver long term but you're building around in their minds hopefully a quarterback that is improved to the point where he can take this offense to the next level so i don't think that it's about winning now or winning for the future i think they're kind of in that in-between mode of let's add talent that can contribute in 2018 and beyond while setting our quarterback up to succeed and improve and take a step forward this year. Sounds like a 9-17, and 8-8, eight and 9-17. Eight, and 17. That's <laughs> Just about right. <laughs> kind of in the middle there. All right, this was fun, guys. We'll be back soon to do another one, and I'm sure the debate on Howie's offseason uh, will probably, just like last year, like everyone loved Howie's offseason last year, and outside of Wentz, it was kind of up and down, the feelings on it throughout the season. I, I bet this will be a similar thing as we go throughout training camp in the summer and the season. Elliot, as always, thanks for doing this. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Had a lot of fun.
Thanks for listening, everyone, to this latest episode of the No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com.